Amen. You may be seated. Uh, I tried to be subtle today. Uh, there is orange in my tie, but I thought I'd be subtle here. Now, some of you are going to leave just because I did that, but that's all right. They're the closest thing we've got. Well, obviously, the Beatles had not read uh, Solomon in Ecclesiastes because uh, uh, Solomon, the wisest man that ever was on this planet, it said, there'd never be one wiser before you or after you. Uh, first two chapters, he decided he would be out uh, on an, an adventure that he would use his wealth, his resources, and he would purchase and buy everything money could buy him. And he literally tried everything and came to the conclusion, it's empty. It just left him wanting more. And because he was still not satisfied, then the next chapter he goes in and says, well, therefore, then I looked into wisdom. If I could just get knowledge and understand everything and find out everything, uh, and uh, never satisfied. For the flesh is never satisfied. One of the things I want to encourage you as we look at this topic, or as any topic, when you're reading the scriptures and reading the Bible, we have an Old Testament, we have a New Testament. Uh, that was actually put there by man in terms of the verses and the chapters and the division. It's not necessarily where the Old Testament begins and ends, and we won't go into that today. But I do want you to understand, when, when you read portions of Scripture, which uh, you're going to hear a lot about when we come to the practical issues of finances and economy and saving and giving and, and work and spending and investing and all of the different things that it talks about, whenever you look at something from the Old Testament and read something from the Old Testament, uh, it was designed to do something for us today. We have got to come over to the New Covenant and put on the lens of the New Covenant and look through the lens of the New Covenant in order to understand that which was written back then. You can't take it apart from the New Covenant because the New Covenant was pointing to, or the Old Testament was pointing to the New Covenant. And we'll show you kind of practically how you do that as we get to the the practical issues in a couple weeks. I'll be picking up another couple series on all of the things that we do for budget and all those things. But I really do believe that unless we lay the foundation that we, we started laying last week and that we'll continue laying today, uh, you cannot really understand those principles. We will take them and we'll turn them into performance and laws and rules and, and, and we'll be, judge people that don't do this and don't do that. You can't really understand, just like the epistles, I believe God didn't accidentally put that in the first part of all the epistles, he told you who you are. That as Christ came, that the old person was put to death, a new person was made alive, and that there is a distinction. Who you really are, if you have embraced the call of God upon your life, God puts something new in you. You have a heart that longs for the things of God. You have a heart that longs for freedom. The thing about finances that I really want you to understand and by the way, I, I am not there. Uh, I, I know my heart longs for what I've been studying. It longs for that. Jesus said that wasn't it for freedom that I set you free? Why didn't you guys want to go back underneath this yoke of slavery? And, and that doesn't just mean with the law. It means with all of the things, whether it's finances or marriage or whatever the topic. Why would we want to go back and be underneath that? God the Father says, have you considered your fathers who just, they ran after emptiness and became empty? He says, have you ever considered that? And yet I think we do. 
I had a great discussions after the first service with some people that were really uh, helped me at least kind of put some things together for you. Uh, this is not a, a message for condemnation. Those of the, you that are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation anymore. It is just sometimes to begin to, to be honest with yourself of when, when you are living within the, the design of God's Spirit and your spirit made after the holiness of God, and when we're living after the flesh. The flesh is going to be uh, bothering us till the day we die. And yet when it comes to the area of economy and finances and resources, it is amazing how little difference I see between the world and believers. They just seem to go at it the same. And yet God has told us not to. You see, the simple thing about economy and all the different things of finances is this. In, in a nutshell, you can put everything underneath this. Taking God-given resources. God owns it all, we talked about last week. Just taking his resources that he gave to you and using those resources for God's design and plan in your life. That's simple. That's it. And that's why we talked last week about the first part of the foundation is that God owns it all. By the way, whether you believe it or not, he owns it all. And when I, when I said last week that a lot of people called me and said they didn't like the challenge last week, and that is to basically take, open your hands and say, I want to own nothing, I want to possess nothing. It's all in your hands. They didn't like that. I have news for you. No matter whether you open your hands or not, you don't have it. <laughs> he does. And so we weren't telling you anything new. We're just telling you the foundation. And this God that is so crazy about you and me and says, I know what you need. Before you even ask, I know what you need. Matter of fact, I've purposed out for you and I've laid out for you. And I do want you to know something that at least in my experience and what I've understood from all of the Scripture, from the Old Testament canon all the way through the New, when I live the way that God designed me to live, he says, test me and you'll find out. I'll open up the windows of heaven. I'll pour on you till you're not even going to have room for it. You're going to have to just start throwing it away. God doesn't want us to be without. When he says, if you'll go ahead and follow these things, he says, I'll give you abundantly beyond all your measure, meaning you're just going to have to find something to do with it. He doesn't want you without. He just wants you to live in the design that he has. On Luke chapter 12, I want to read a portion of Scripture here. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 12, verse 13, and we're going to look all the way through 34. So if you don't have your Bibles, just listen up. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 12, starting with verse 13. <clears throat> and someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Let me pause for a minute right there. I, in my job, I, I have been absolutely shocked. I'm no longer shocked. Uh, what happens when somebody dies and an inheritance is there for people to grab? Uh, people grow fangs. They'll do anything to get something. It's amazing what people will do to brothers and sisters. And this is what's happening. Somebody had taken some resources and just fights and wars came out. And it said, it's my, inher it's my inheritance. Tell your brother, my brother to give it to me. And Jesus said, man... Who appointed me as a judge or arbitrary over you? And he said, 
Beware and be on your guard against this form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life ever consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying the land of a certain rich man was very, very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store all of my crops? And he said, you know, I know what I'll do. I will tear down my barns, build larger ones, and there I'm going to store all of my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have so many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required for you. And now who's going to own what you've prepared? So is the man who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. And he said to his disciples, for this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life or don't take thought for your life as to what you'll eat, for your body is what you should put on. For life is more than food and the body than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have no storehouses or barns and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? And if then you can't even do that little thing, why are you so anxious about these other matters? Consider the lilies. They grow. They neither toil or spin. But I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory didn't clothe himself like one of these. But if God so raised the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, men of little faith. Do not seek what you shall eat and what you'll drink, and don't keep worrying. All these things the nations of this world, they eagerly think about, and their thoughts are filled with them, but your Father knows that you have need of these. But seek first his kingdom, and these things shall be added to you. Do not be afraid of the little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give charity, make yourselves purses which do not wear out, and in failing treasures in heaven where no thief can come near nor much destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Therefore, do not take worry about tomorrow. Today's troubles will be sufficient for today. First thing I want to lay out here is I think one of the greatest problems that our culture is in today is not any different than way back in Adam and Eve when uh, Satan came to Eve and basically told her that more would be better. You're not really okay with where you are, and if you could simply gather something more or have something more than you now possess, it will be better. This is the word greed. It simply means that I need something that I do not possess today. My eyes are fixed on something that I do not have because what I have is not sufficient for me. And greed will just grow into things. And the reason it's such a dangerous thing is because it says the flesh is never satisfied. Greed is a fruit of the flesh. It basically is see something that wants more. And, and we all have this happen to us. No matter what, today when you watch the Super Bowl, some of you, that's a football game that'll be on later. <laughs> I was talking to my sister Marcy. She's in China, and we FaceTimed, and, and I said, are they all excited about the Super Bowl? She goes, I haven't men- heard it mentioned once, and when I talk about it, nobody even knows that it exists, nor even many of them don't even know what football is. So it's only important here, okay? Uh, you're going to hear all kinds of commercials telling you that you're not okay if you don't get this. And you're laughing like this, but it will suck some of you in. It will hook some of you. 
I went to the uh, Civic Center and I was walking through and, you know, all the little booths. And, you know, I was walking through, I was pretty content until I saw one of those little humidifiers. <laughs> and then they had one of these heaters that could heat from about 15 feet away. And I thought, wouldn't that be neat? I'm like, and pretty soon <clears throat> I wanted more. It happens easy. I think last week when I uh, challenged you to go ahead and get a loan and, and let the Holy Spirit bring some at least conviction upon you of what it was that you were holding on to that you were unwilling to get rid of. By the way, when the Holy Spirit does that, he's really, really good at it. It's one of his job descriptions. And he does it not in a general way like Satan does. If you walk away from today and you've got this general thing, well, you're kind of greedy, and they tell you all these things, that's probably not God. It's probably Satan just trying to confuse you so you're always guessing what it is that you're greedy about. When the Holy Spirit puts something on you, and a lot of you called me, and you were very specific, and that's what he did when I was driving down the hill. I thought, okay, done with the sermon. I thought I was done until the Holy Spirit touched two things in my life that were very, very specific that I had not handed over. And he will do the same thing here with your greed. And he'll do the same thing here with your greed. I, I do want to remind you that Ecclesiastes, we'll look at it when we get to one of the other topics, uh, this wise man will tell you it's okay to have all kinds of things and possess things. And he'll tell you when it's okay to do that. But until we come to the realization that greed will destroy you, it's always the next best thing, the next the next vacation, the next gadget, the next car, the next truck, it doesn't matter what it is. And even in my life, one of the things that got me uh, that I was driving down the hill with is <clears throat> I've been, when we sold our house, when all this stuff happened to my son, uh, we got rid of about half of what we owned. And it was kind of a good feeling. I really liked the feeling. It was such a good feeling that something inside me made me greedy to get rid of more. Does that make sense? If I can just get the next thing to get rid of, and so I'm going through all my clothes and I'm going through, and it was like, I'll be okay and content when I get rid of this and this and this. It was just the reverse, but I was just as miserable as if trying to get stuff. Does that make sense to you? Rather than just being content with where you are. Just being content with where you are. Let's look at some of the results of greed. I warn you, some of you are not going to like this. First one I'm going to look at is, uh, I don't know if it's on your paper, the hasty decisions. I think it's number two on your paper. But greed causes us to make hasty decisions because we need that thing now. Uh, our, our sales men and all the advertisements have learned that because they'll you even use some really clever stuff saying if you buy it today, you get another 50 bucks off. Okay, uh, they don't want you to stop and, and think and ponder and bring it to God. They want you to make it. And the Bible says, he that makes hasty decisions will come to ruin. It says he'll, be, he'll come to poverty. That word doesn't mean poor. It means he'll come into bondage with some things. We make hasty decisions. We make quick decisions because we need it now. I want it now. And it's amazing, the things. With today's technology, my, my mom and I, were, we, we FaceTimed my sister in China, 
And I, I, I was stunned and so was she that we were sitting there talking to her. There was no uh, even delay in anything. She's 6,000 miles away, and in one word, we can see her picture shoot up, hit, hit this telescope, or telescope, uh, hit this satellite, shoot over to this satellite, and come down, and it's in our living room. And this technology is coming out with new things, the new phone, the new iPhone, the new different things. And I tell you, you feel like I'm losing out if I don't get it. And we all do, the next best thing. It, and we want to make that decision now. The second thing here is to hold on, and I want you to at least listen all the way through before you shut me out. Greed will cause you to live defraud in a defrauding way with God. The Bible talks about it all the way through. I gave enough verses in Proverbs. There's gobs of them throughout the Scripture. But I want you to understand what this means in its entirety and what it really means to God. What it means to God. It uses a word that says those of you that are going to deal un unfairly with your finances with people or you're going to make decisions that are cunning, they're sly, they're, they're always some type of a motive for you to come out ahead, for you to gain something. That you make sly comments or things in your life so that you might come out ahead or that you're not dealing with fair balances in your business deals or in your dealing with people. It is an abomination to me. Now, the word abomination is used numerous times in the Scripture. It has different meanings for different words, but this word, I want you to get the full picture of it. And I'm sorry that this might offend some of you. It was an abomination in the book of Ezekiel when it transfers over and says when people would make for themselves their own gods, and take their gods and bow down and worship their gods, and fathers would eat their children, and children would eat their fathers. That's an abomination. It's an abomination that women would go and have sex with animals. This is an abomination. Is, can you see the, the yuckiness of this, the filth of this? And God says, and it's an abomination for you to deal falsely with your finances. Here's what it literally is saying. I want you to get a picture of it. You're at a dinner table, you're sitting there, and everybody's having a friendly conversation, and we're talking, and Adam makes a comment at the, at the table, and I said, you liar. That puts a damper on the evening. The literal word, when we go ahead and do these things, we are saying to God, you liar. You told me your name was Jehovah Jireh, that you are my personal provider and you will take care of every one of my needs and I will not have to even take thought about those things. And I'm saying, God, you're a liar. I have to do this in order to manipulate people for me to gain something so that I can be okay because I do not trust you. You're a liar. And God said, that's an abomination to me. Let me make this more real to you. I am sorry that I have to use myself. Uh, I thought it was better. I, have, I know a lot of you, I could have used you, but then I'd really be in trouble. <laughs> when I first started uh, counseling in uh, my business, uh, money was not very fluent. And in my mind, it was not very fluent. And I can tell you, I've never starved, never been without anything. I've always been able to have a car. I've always had money in the car. But I was told it wasn't fluent by comparing it to other people. 
And so there were a lot of things I learned. Uh, my dad's passed away, and, and he might be observing now, but I learned a lot of uh, con artist stuff from my dad. And I carried it right over and uh, didn't even know I was doing this. I would have a person in, and let's say this client came in, a very successful person, owned a car lot, and, and uh, had a, owned about six car lots, and was, uh, was visiting, but he was so busy working that his time was starting to just demand everything because he had to get more and get more. And I told him that because of your demands on you, you no longer could be sensitive to the Spirit of God moving within you to stop and, and go where joy really is found in giving yourself to others. I said, for example, let's say we're driving up here to church, and I'm driving on my way up here in, in my uh, old car with about 180,000 miles on it, and my tire breaks down, and you drive, and you drive by me because you don't have the time to stop because you're in a hurry. Did anybody catch this little phrase, old car with 160,000 miles? And it's like God is saying, why did you add that little pair or little parentheses in there? Couldn't it have been just as the point, matter of fact, more clear if I was driving up the hill and I break down and you drive by me? But the old car with 160,000 miles, what do you think was going on? He owns a car lot. I'm in ministry. I've just let him know I got an old broke down car. Just with any luck, he might give me a car. Because you're a liar, God. I trust him more than I trust you with this. You might have to help me again, Tom, but Dan will use you this time. Let's say a guy comes in and he's got a, he's got a violin. This violin is, what's the expensive kind? A Stradivarius. What are they worth about a good one? Million. Million. Guy comes in and he says to Dan, he says, look, I found this in my attic. Uh, I need $400 for it. And Dan goes, what a deal. The Bible says if you don't deal fairly so the balance is fair with people you deal with, you're an abomination. You are calling me a liar. Somebody wants to buy your car. And you get way more than you thought. You're, you think, hey, that's a good business deal. That's shrewd. You liar. We can keep going on this deal. I just want you to know this. I am not doing this and sharing this for you to condemn yourself. I want you to know what your flesh is capable of. And if you will bring it out into the open and bring it before God, God will step in and do something with it. And he's saying this. Greed will lead you to make these type of decisions, and you will be in bondage. You will not be free. You won't be able to be free. It will lead you into debt. Because what you really do with debt is you're basically saying this. We're going to live a life of indebtedness because we're going to say to the world that God cannot take care of my needs and I must supplement my needs that I think I need with other people's money. Because my God won't supplement it, so I need to borrow money in order to get that which he did not give me. That's what debt is. He says that's an abomination. Those are strong words. Now, again, when God began to open my heart to see this, uh, it was, it was a, a hard month because I started seeing it everywhere. 
I would go and see somebody that would be out there, and every, he looked, he, every person he met, he was asking for money and doing this, all this stuff, and I said, what an ugly deal. And God said, oh, it's really ugly, but you do the same thing. You just do it slyly. And it was horrible. I didn't even want to go home with myself. And God said, that isn't you. That's not who you are. I placed a new heart in you, Bill, made after the holiness of my heart. That's why it's so disturbing when you see it. You want, your heart's built to long to trust me. Your heart loves me. Your heart wants honest gain. That's your flesh. Know the difference between these. And I think it's okay for us to see our flesh and see the motives because if we'll get honest with ourselves, God says, you know that I'm a compassionate, kind, gracious, and merciful God. I will pour out on you to where you're going to have to run out of its way because you can't contain it if you will just be honest with yourself. And I started getting honest with myself. And God said, I'll show you how to break this, and this is what I feel is one of the key things today that I want to lay for the last foundation uh, before we jump into all the practical dealings of finances. God said that I would like you to learn the secret of contentment, of being content with much and being content with little, that your mind doesn't have to be consumed thinking about all these things because I have given unto you. And sometimes he might give you so much that you have to just keep looking for places to pour it out. And sometimes you'll have little enough to know that, God, it's so neat. I would have spoiled myself and lived in a way that would not be free for me if I would have tried to gain other things. Thank you for what I possess and thank you for what I have. Contentment is basically being able to go ahead and look at those things that you have and not looking at the things that you do not have. It's developing a spirit of gratitude. Billy Graham says that you can tell a person that has come to Christ because in his heart first starts coming a spirit of thanksgiving. And he says, and you can really know what's in a, con a condition of a person's heart sometimes when a person is more thinking about what they don't have than what they have. And thanksgiving Literally, you could go the rest of your days if you de developed a grateful heart and a grateful attitude and never run out of repeating the same thing you're grateful for. I have a friend that, that has taught me a lot about finances. Uh, probably the most I've ever heard and learned about finances was from him. And uh, he, he made a statement, and he said, in all of my years of dealing with people, and he has dealt with billionaires, people that make two to three million a year. And he said, this is one thing I can guarantee you in all my experience. If you aren't 100% happy and fulfilled and thankful with what you have today, there isn't any amount of money that will make you happy. Then he repeats it. If you aren't 100% happy or thankful with what you have today, there isn't any amount more that will make you happy. And I think that's true because of the thing of contentment. Psalm says, I've said to the Lord, my Lord, I have no good besides you. There is none besides you. And as for the saints, the brothers, and the people in this world, there are the majestic ones in whom is all of my delight. 
If you can find your joy and find your peace in God and what the song's saying there, in, in others and serving other people, you will find yourself content with these other things. Contentment's only possible, and this is quick here, with these four things. I don't believe it is possible without having an eternal perspective on life. We in this age, we are, we are taught, even our medicine is taught to just prolong death. We don't welcome entrance into the kingdom of God very well. Like Steve, has, you've heard him say many times, what are you trying to keep me from the greatest day of my life? that I can enter into the kingdom that I was designed for to come into my full uh, realization experience. He said, we don't. We, we try to linger on and linger on and we delay things and delay th things. And, and that's what this world does. It, it tells you that because we are afraid to have an eternal perspective, we weren't meant to live on this planet this long. Death is coming to us all. And I, and I read something, the LS, I think I read it to you yesterday. It said, do you know that there's nothing Nothing, whether it's the people or the things or the, or the money or your savings, nothing that you will have that you're not going to have to get rid of and say goodbye to. And he said, then say goodbye to him now. Say goodbye to him now. You have to have an eternal perspective. When Nick and I were visiting the other day, and I know this is hard and it's, and it's a tough for him, and a, a lot of people, last night I had a guy that was at a party that we were at, and it's the first time he saw Nick walking. Some of you saw him walking today, and he just was blown away. And he said, that's the first time I've seen him walk. And he went on, and he was just thinking and grateful and grateful. And Nick and I were talking the other day, and I said, it's, it's, it's hard. You know, I can look and say, God, we're thankful for this, but it's real easy for somebody that was an athlete to look at what he can't do. And when he looks at what he can't do, the more he looks at it, don't we, we, there's a spiraling down that takes place in our emotions rather than saying, what do I have? And he can't do that if he doesn't see this from an eternal perspective. If this is all there is, then you're not going to be able to do that. Second thing is you have to find life in God and other people. It will come with things. Third thing, uh, if you ever get a chance when we're done here to read Psalm 73, verse 1 through 28, there's a mistake that is made that's real easy. In 1 Corinthians, God says, oh, you people, you've done that which is evil. You just keep comparing yourselves with yourselves. You cannot enter into this when you're comparing it with what somebody else has and you don't have. Last week, we talked about Psalm 16 where God says, I have purposely poured out and counted out for you what looks good on you and fits you. And you will enjoy that to its fullest if you'll stop looking around at what I've poured out for other people. David got all messed up when he started looking. And, and if you read it in the living, I love the living translation of Psalm 73. He says, I look at these fat cats. He was pretty mad. And he says, you've given them everything. They don't even know that everything they have, you gave them. And you gave them all these different things. And why am I staying so holy? You don't give me anything. He does come to the conclusion at the end, and he says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, there's nothing on earth that I desire for you. You have become the portion of my life. What I get is you, and they don't get you. Comparing yourselves, it'll destroy you. We're going to talk about this next time in its, in its fullness, and that is spending freely in the Spirit.
Now, Adam, this might just kind of shake a lot of your business here. But God basically says there are those that scattered pretty much what they had, and they basically became even more joyful. But there are people that hoard, and they, they, they sit, and they sit on things, and they hoard things. They get what they got. And, and the reason we hoard things is because we're afraid we'll be without it. How to spend freely in the Spirit, we're going to talk about how do you actually do that. In closing, I want you to think of doing this today, before the game, because you'll probably get, well, you might have to do it during the game. <clears throat> what are you thankful for? The Bible says that we should be able to be thankful, give grateful hearts and thankful hearts. Seven times a day will I praise you, praise you for your righteous ordinances. Is that we can thank God in the morning, in the evening, when we eat, when we go to the bathroom. Pick times that you say, I'm going to just give thanks and, and, and make a point that you won't thank God for the, the same thing again for a while and watch. It will start to do something in your heart that you'll become so thankful and grateful that it will start to break the back of greed. It will take greed and it will basically swallow greed up. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and thus paying your vows to the Most High God for he who offers this thanksgiving will honor me. For from the rising of the sun until it sets, the name of God is to be praised and thanked. As we close here today, we're going to take now all of this basis of this foundation and then next time we're going to look at what it means to work. What is to work? How much do you work? What it means to save? What it means to have a budget? What it means to spend? What it means to, to give? Uh, all the different things that a budget has. We're going to look at now the biblical principles and how they actually can now be applied in, in a free way. We're going to try to look at it from a new covenant eyes rather than the old. And I, and I think it will be challenging, but I think it will absolutely be freeing. And I do think if we do it, there will be nobody that is in here with lack, and there will be nobody in here with too much because God will do that. Would you pray with me? Father, I, as I talk here and as I mention these things, I'm excited for where you'll take us. I can't... Uh, I can't tell you that I'm uh, without nervousness and my feelings are uh, kind of shaky about it. But I know it's where my heart wants to go. And I know all of these people that you have poured into their heart, or their life, a new heart. No longer one of stone, but one of flesh and with a spirit. They long to be free in this area too. That the world might look at us and we might be different from the world because we'll be so consumed with our life and our thoughts about you and how you want to love and live through us towards others that we won't have to be thinking about all of the stuff that the world thinks about. I'm going to pray right now in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit would fulfill the song that we sang, be present here today, and would touch every single soul here in a unique way. It's between you and them and you and me. And I pray also right now, Father, that we would come to the awareness that we cannot do this. It's impossible for us. But you said, but all things are possible with God because you are eager to live through us and fulfill these promises yourself. And you've heard us because your son said we could ask you this in his name. Amen.